Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. But in continuing with this comeback versus go back, and here's where the transition is. The books of, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah to some extent, the two of the minor prophets, um, sort of cover the same period of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem. Now, for those of you that may not be that dug in or, or familiar with Bible history in terms of sort of just the depth of that, here's the bigger story, especially if you're new in faith. The, nation, the Israelites the, of the Old Testament as we get to the book of Exodus, God's promised people uh, live in the land of Egypt and ultimately become slaves, and they're there for 400 years, okay? 400 years, they're there. When they come out of slavery, God has set them free. There is the Passover meal that points to uh, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, that same Passover lamb in the Old Testament that was killed Blood put on the doorpost, the death angel passed over, God's people were delivered. That Passover lamb of the Old Testament becomes the lamb of God and the new when John the Baptist, a son of a priest, certainly very schooled in Bible and scripture, he would see Jesus coming and he points and says, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So here's the deal. Jesus Christ died for us. Every person here who has invited or accepted the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the claims that he's made on your life in terms of your promise, potential, and purpose, the death of the Lamb of God on the cross has resulted in you being delivered from your own bondage and captivity, and that language is picked up. So does everybody get that parallel? 60, 70% of the people here already knew that. But again, for those that are newer in faith, I want to sort of catch everybody up. So the, the stories in the Old Testament really prefigure or pre-shadow or become a type of the new covenant life we live. I thank God today for that Lamb of God, hallelujah, whose blood was given for me, whose blood wasn't painted over the doorpost of my house, but was smeared across the sin of my life, and where I should have died, I got eternal life instead. Man, I am thankful for that story. They come out of Egypt, they go to the promised land, and in Numbers 13 and 14, they're only really months, but weeks, if you want to say, into their journey. They come up to the Jordan River, they get to go across, they send across spies. They said, man, the fruit is amazing. It took two of us to carry back one cluster of grapes, and it's great. It's everything God said, but there's giants in the land. And it says they were filled with fear. They said they made this statement, closing part of Numbers 13. They said, um, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Isn't it amazing the order of that? That how we see us is often how the enemy sees us. So whose perspective do we need to adjust? The enemy, our adversary, is always going to only see us one way. We can't affect that perspective, but we can change ours. In every critical biblical narrative in Scripture, 
one choice comes, Old Testament or New Testament, if there's one recurring theme, I'm going to tell you what it is. Whose word will you believe? It recurs again. It starts in Genesis 3 when this serpent slithers in and says, Has God really said? That problem continues again and again and again, deciding whose word will you believe? That's ultimately what happens in Numbers 13 and 14. As the people of God, 400 years of conditioning by slavery, and they come out and stand, and they can't see themselves as anything but slaves, so they said, we need to go back to Egypt. At least we had meat pots and a place to live, and giants wouldn't kill us. So Numbers 13 and 14 is your go-back mentality. Turn the pages forward in the Old Testament, and now, by the time you get to Ezra, Nehemiah, let me tell you what's happened. Back to Numbers 13 and 14, God says, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until this rebellious generation dies off, then I'm going to bring you in. By the time you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, that has long since happened. By the time you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, now you have multiple generations, watch what happens, that have lived in the promised land for 400 years. Watch. So they haven't, this, these generations now have not been conditioned by 400 years of slavery. They've been conditioned by 400 years of promise and potential. Okay? They are disobedient. They are carried off into captivity. They are there for a few decades. Okay? they begin to go back to rebuild what was destroyed. Watch this. Watch the difference in the mentality of go-back people and come-back people. Go-back people have a slave's mindset and don't see themselves worthy of promise or purpose. Come-back people see themselves as nothing but people of promise and purpose, and they refuse to accept the identity of being a slave. I want to pause right there. I talked about that last week. I probably just need to preach on that, but I'm not. i got to get to something else that I think is on my heart here. But I want us to, to contrast that. Where are you today? Are you a go-back person or a come-back person? You know, my eye just happened to catch um, Gary Spears. I don't know anybody that has more of a resilient, unrelenting come-back mentality about life economy, life, whatever. I mean, whatever everybody else sees as problems, this guy drives me crazy. Because everybody else sees problems, because there's potential there. Really? Tell me about that. And, and I love that comeback mentality. He says, wait a minute. And, and we're going to dig into that as we look at Nehemiah today. But I want to ask you the question, uh, boy, I needed to, to tell you another, another story. I'll tell you next week. How's that? Remind me to tell them the Boy Scouts of America attorney story from last weekend. Okay? I just did good. I did good. I just allowed you to get out of here in time to get to the restaurant ahead of some other people. Um, but here's what I, I want to I dig into. Um, 
Favorite Old Testament passage of Scripture is Isaiah 61. And in Isaiah 61, it's a prophecy about the people of God who would return after the period of captivity. Okay? So you get to verses 4 uh, four, uh, and 5, and it says, Then you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the former devastations. You will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And then the next verse says, what, uh, let, let me see if I can find it, because I, I don't want to mess up quoting, quoting that to you. It says, um, then uh, strangers will stand and pasture your flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers, but you will be called the priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. Now, you can't get that. You can't wrap your head around that, because this was Isaiah prophesying of a time after the nation of Israel would be disobedient, they would be deported, the temple would be destroyed, Jerusalem ransacked, the walls that gave security and identity around a city would be decimated and knocked flat, totally destroyed, hauled away, and he says, but the actual Hebrew here says that sons of foreigners, uh, sons of foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. Now let me tell you some more Bible history. You fast forward 60 or 70 years, there are three, if you will, uh, kings of, of non-Israelite. I'm talking about surrounding nations of their captors. There was Cyrus, uh, two kings, Cyrus and Darius. And then there was someone in between that Darius. But Cyrus, after the captivity, this sort of Medo-Persian kingdom, would tell the people of God, listen, uh, you can go back and rebuild your temple. So Ezra would go back and start that. Then later on in that story, it says the local voices and governors said, what are you doing coming back here? So many years passed and they didn't complete the building of the temple. Finally, they got it done. But local troublemakers sent back to the new king, Darius, and said, these guys are looking to make their temple. They're going to make a city. They're going to have their own king. They're going to do this. And they just told a bunch of lies. But Ezra writes a letter to the new king and said, all we're doing is what was decreed. Everybody say decreed. All we're doing is what was decreed by the king, not literally his father, because he was sort of two, two generations or one, one generation removed, but what was decreed by Father Cyrus, this is all we're doing. So the, Darius, if you will, the son, says, let's research the archives and see what is written. And it said they researched the archives, and when they found what was written, they found that sure enough, Darius or Cyrus had said, they can go return and rebuild. Darius says, I found it right here, and you guys are just trying to make trouble for what the, the father, if I can say that, has written. So here's what I'm going to make you do. You're going to pay for it and let it be finished. You're going to pay for the finished, finished part of the rebuilding. And they didn't like that, but they paid for it. I hear something somewhere. Is that my computer or my phone? It's mine. I have no idea why it's playing or making noise. I have no idea what even program is doing that. It's that. There is no app open. Lord, my phone is demon-possessed right now. So we're just going to turn that all the way off, which is dangerous for you because that's the clock I was watching. 
Okay, I see that. My wife has a larger one down there in front of me. So point, 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 point. Where, where did I leave off? That, so you don't remember, you were too busy focused on that clock. Father, Um, okay, so they return. Watch this. And says, you're going to pay for it. Isaiah prophesied that. Man, I got so many. I got a whole outline worth of things to say. But I'm wanting to just find the Spirit of God in every gathering more than ever in my life. You remember a couple months ago, right before this whole thing happened, I said, we're going to be a place of encounter as opposed to trying to give you bottles of theology and doctrine from the fountain, if I can lead you to this fountain and let you jump in. That's Jeremiah 2.13. Don't forsake the fountain. We don't need bottled water. We need a fountain experience, and we need it just bubbling up within us. So, okay. So here's what happens. What happens when there's a moment when you realize that what God's doing in your life has already been written, has already been stated, Something begins to happen. Let me give you this little snapshot that I think is so cool that what the name Nehemiah, who would come along later after the temple and build the walls, is Nachamiah. Nachamiah. It means the breath of God, the spirit of one, or to breathe or lament, or becomes a picture of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, you can read the book of Nehemiah and it becomes a wonderful handbook about how the Holy Spirit breathes and restores the broken places of our life. But watch this poetry. What the father Cyrus decreed, the son ratified and paid for, and the breath of God came and said, I'll finish the rebuilding. Does anybody recognize a Bible story right there? What the Father decreed before the foundations of the world, that I have chosen you to be holy and blameless before me in love, The sun came and ratified amidst all of the voices of darkness around, and he did what King Darius did. He kept looking and saying, but it is written. He said it in the wilderness in the opening part of his ministry, and he said it in Garden of Gethsemane in the closing moments of his earthly ministry. He said, but wait, it is written. It is written. It is written what the Father has decreed I came to ratify and pay for with my blood. And then where's one coming behind me, Nachamiah, Spirit of God, who is going to complete this building process. Now, what I've done is to come to launch the declaration of promise, of potential, of purpose. But guess what? There's presence coming by the Holy Spirit that's going to help you finish that rebuilding process. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to say to you, and and then I think we can go home. Because this is just blowing my mind. Go back, people. Go back retreating from the face of promise. Say that with me. Go back, people, retreat from the face of promise. In other words, in Numbers 13, they came to the promised land. They saw it there, and they said, no, we're too afraid, and I think God's lost his mind. Go back, people, retreat from the face of promise. Come back, people. (laughs) Hallelujah. Retreat from the force of failure. The comeback people had failed. 
Jerusalem had been overrun. Now they were going back to pick up the promise of God. In Nehemiah 2.18, come back people, understand that the good hand of the Lord is upon me. The good hand, hallelujah, of the Spirit of God is upon me. This is the mental posture. I'm trying to get, you know, we're all looking for a comeback after the, uh, after the virus, after the economy, after everything in church. But beloved, I don't care about that so much as, as, I, as I believe there's four or two or five or eight comeback people sitting in this room today who are sitting on the backside of a devastation they didn't see coming. Maybe you contributed to it. Maybe you didn't. Everyone look at me. Are you aware that thousands of the people who would be deported into captivity when they were overrun by Babylonians and then the Medo-Persian, when they were overrun, do you understand that many of those people never did anything wrong? They loved God. Anybody here, don't raise your hand, have walked through a situation in life, a loss of employment, a loss of an agreement, a loss of a marriage where you just came away and said, God, and by the way, it's not to say, well, it's all their fault, but it's to say, Lord, I'm just not quite sure what I, I did wrong. Are you aware that things can find us that we didn't contribute to? That's the reality of covenant. Come on, listen to me. That's the reality of being married, of having children, of having a job, of working with people. People you work with can make decisions you didn't make and they affect you. And you're standing here and the walls have fallen down and oh, Humpty Dumpty, what are we going to do to put it back together again? The good news is there's a God who says, I've already spoken concerning it. That when devastation finds you, I've already decreed. And I've not only already decreed that you will be restored, and here's the key words, to promise, potential, and purpose, but I'm going to guarantee it with my presence. I'm going to be there with you in the midst of it. And I love, it's no accident that God names the book of restoration, Nachamiah. The breath of God. It's no accident that on the day Jesus Christ comes back from the dead, he goes into a room and moves through a wall, just appears amongst them, and they see that everything around them, everything they've believed in, has been devastated. Their hopes of this great warrior leader, zealot, that would come over and take over the world, namely Jesus Christ. He's now been killed. We watched him die. It's all over. But he comes into the room, and I love this, and he says, let's take care of business. Let me breathe on you. Nachamiah. Receive the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? That people who live in the grip of come back versus go back, it is spiritually informed. It is God breathed. It's often not mentally dissected because there's every good reason not to have a comeback solution. In the weeks to come, and um, I hope to. Boy, I got other things to tell you here. In verses, uh, in verse four, chapter four of, of Nehemiah, halfway through it, there's five or six questions that are asked in, in verses two or three of chapter four. Let's see. It says, now remember, they're back there, they're rebuilding. And I'm, I'm going to hopefully see if I can wrap this up right here. He spoke in the presence. Um, let's see, there was a, a bad guy, Sanballat, that's mentioned in verse one. And you get to verse two. It says, he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, Watch these five questions here. What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifice? Sacrifice is a code word for worship. Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? 
Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Okay, then you skip down uh, to verse 11, and now what they have said is being repeated. Watch this. Our enemies said they will not, they, that, that we, he's, they're, they're speaking about what the enemy said, that they, everybody get what's going on here? The people rebuilding the wall are repeating the words of the enemy. So they're saying the enemy said they will not know until we come upon them. In other words, the they is me. The they was them. So let me sort of change the, 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 the tense, if you will, of, of, the, of the language here. It says, they came and said, here's what the enemy said, that we won't even know until uh, we see them come among them and kill them and put a stop to the work. And it says, then the Jews who heard this came near and told us this 10 times. Have you ever seen anybody just caught in the, in the grip of, of the moment? And it's, it's horrible. It's, it's going to be bad. It's, it's going to be this. I, I, I'm telling you, uh, it's just gonna, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. I've been on airplanes in that situation. Really, when people are just freaking out. And I've always wait, hoped it would be a family member sometime so I could do one of those Hollywood scenes. Brace yourself, you know, and slap them. But have you ever been around somebody who they, their language is only reflecting their circumstances and not what is written? The ratifier modeled for us what works in the face of that. And beloved, it's going to come down to this at times of restoration, at times of life, of comeback versus go back. Go back refuses to accept the word of God as final as I stand in the face of promise that's just across that river and can be mine. But I turn to walk right away from it because my fears are speaking louder than the force of God's word. You say, well, that, that's not always easy. I get that. I do get that. But comeback people have been so somehow breathed into and conditioned. Do you know as they even fast forward another 400 years and they are living under Roman, uh, a geopolitical domination in the times of Jesus, John chapter 8, Jesus is saying to these Jewish people uh, after the woman caught in the act of adultery, go home and read it. But he says, you know, slave, slave, slave. And they have the audacity to stand up and say, Jeremy, what are you talking about? We're sons of Abraham. We're not slaves to any man. They were delusional. They've been slaves for 400 years. But here's the deal. Once people get a taste of promise, they'll never accept the identity of being a slave. I want to ask you, what taste have you gotten? Once people get a taste of promise, the adversary is saying, you can't do this. Listen, and listen to these questions. Pastor Steve, Pastor Matt, and the afterward, I want you guys to hit on these. I, I have these written for you. First question is, what are these feeble Jews doing? Simply put, listen, who do you think you are? There's really a sermon in all five and six of these. Of it. Who do you think you are? Don't raise your hand. How many hear that one regularly? Hans, you and I talk about how often we, you and I, entertain that voice as God presses us toward some new boundary. Well, go try this and do that. Who do you think you are? The second one, are they going to finish for themselves? Perseverance. Can you do this? Do you think you can even get it done? Watch the, the, the third question. Um, can they offer sacrifices? Do you think you can sustain anything of worship during this process? See, because the adversary wants to steal your song. These are all 
There's, there's five or six good sermons here, I'm telling you. It says, can they finish in a day? That's perspective and depth perception. No, you won't finish in a day. Your life's not going to be perfect by this afternoon or at the end of this worship service. You're going to be like Paul in Philippians 4 who walks out and says, I've been hungry, I've been filled. I've been abased, I've abounded. I've had lack and I've had prosperity. Now see, typical faith language. Okay, mm, I got to quit. Just mentally get inside my head right now. I've come to a fork in the road. I'm trying to be real careful here, but listen to me. As we come to these as we come to these places where we're entertaining voices, that's why eight times before that he says, What he says, here's what I want you to think on. He says, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I can't finish this. Can I finish it in a day? No, you can't finish in a day. You can't finish in a day. But where comes that force and presence of God that that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? I can finish this journey. And I love the last question. It says, can you make anything out of, out of the rubble, even the burnt stones? So here's the two questions I want to ask you in closing today. Here we go. Ready? Um, oh, I got one other thing to tell you. Go home and read Nehemiah 4 through 12. It says they were discouraged. Watch this. Um, this is something that Tana, I will want to, to put on afterwards. And Amanda, if you can, I'll send it to you. Listen closely. Discouragement translates the evidence of my current circumstances or failures. Remember, they're going back to rebuild, and what they're rebuilding crashed because of their disobedience. Those are the toughest ones. You go back and you see the pile of rubber around the fails, and God says, I'm going to pick up right where your failure left off, and I'm going to rebuild. And I'm going to rebuild and make something out of it that you don't think something can be made out of. So discouragement translates the evidence of our current circumstances into inaccurate conclusions about God's purposes, potential, and promise concerning me. But you know what else it also does? That fourth P word, it makes us believe God's not present. And God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you, forsake you. Two things. The potential of what God can do with broken pieces of failure. It says, can you make anything out of this? The good news is yes. I can make something like you can't even imagine. As a matter of fact, Haggai, as I told you last week, would say of the temple and the city, he says, the latter glory will be greater than the former. Wouldn't have all the gold, wouldn't have all the silver, wouldn't have all of that, but the glory would be above it because it would be that new one that Jesus would walk into a few hundred years later. Number two, um, I didn't even get to, but in this comeback season, it said what he did to fix that. Oh, they're going to kill us. 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 Oh, I can't do this. We'll never rebuild the wall. Look at all the stuff. It's just all broken down. I messed up here, and there's nothing but a pile of rubble. God certainly can't make anything out of that. Oh, my goodness. And it's just stealing my praise. I, I just don't even feel like I can worship. I, I just Oh, they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. Listen. Here's the great provision. He says, I found out what to do. I stationed them in small groups at the exposed places. Watch this. You want to know what we've learned during this season? Comeback people. We're comeback people. We've learned that small groups are not an ecclesiastical novelty. They're a critical component of your restoration and my restoration. Because when we were pulled apart, 
this church has gotten together more digitally than we've ever been able to get people together physically. I hope we've learned from that. If we still have to do it by Zoom or Facebook or whatever, we're going to do that. But here's some of Tom's takeaway in the comeback thing. Small groups are not an ecclesiastical novelty. They're a critical component of spiritual formation and restoration. They're a critical... Why? Because you need to be standing next to somebody who will slap you when you're saying... I can't do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to die. It's horrible. It's horrible. You need to see somebody standing close to you. you. Maybe you can't get a hold of me that. I'll be glad to show up and slap you. Call me and say, Pastor, can you come to my house right now? Slap me, please. I'll be on my way fast. I'll even bring anointing oil. By the way, that's not out here. I've mixed it 50% with hand sanitizer. So that after you're prayed for, you won't get this joke unless you're an old Pentecostal people. It was just, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Bless God. You know, that's right. I know Sister Betty gets that one. And my wife, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled. See, at New Hope Church, with this patented recipe of unique anointing oil, you may not be healed when you walk away, but you will be saved, sanitized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, I know it's terribly corny, isn't it? But I... Say, can you bring the bottle of anointing oil and slap me? We need that. Beloved, hear me. Going to be a big push right now. I'm on the pastors. I'm on the elders. I'm getting to the elders. I'm already on the pastors. You got to pull people around you. And maybe we'll rename our small groups to slap me groups or something. I don't know. That would be, wouldn't that be a great t-shirt to have? Go to Cracker Barrel with that one on. Say, hashtag slap me. Ask me hope they ask you before they do it, you know. Um, we're a comeback people. Just this morning, a pastor, he says, I got this great blog back. I got this great question back from this guy. He's interviewed 100 pastors, and here's the question they're asking. What if people don't come back to church? There are four questions there. That, and I, forgive me for being somewhat sarcastic. I try not to do this. That this well-known, ingenious, insightful person, I'm literally telling you what they are. I'm not making them worse than they are. What if people never come back because they're scared? And what if people don't come back because they prefer online? I wrote back to this young pastor and I said, please notice that the first three or four questions have these two words. If people. I said, as a pastor, as, you know, son... You've been a pastor for now 15 years. I've been one for nearly 40. If people happens in the best of times, if people's going to happen, whether we had the COVID virus or not, if people don't come, if people get upset, I said, we live in America. I said, church is like shopping at Walmart and Kroger these days. If people, beloved, can I tell you something? If people will happen. I want to declare to you that New Hope is a comeback people, and whatever is on the other side of this, I am believing to the bone that the glory of the latter is going to be more than the former. I believe we're going to come away from this, going back to a rebuilding and saying, Father, somewhere in the midst of that, 
The Holy Spirit breathed on me, Nachamya found me, brought me back to a pile of rubble that it took COVID-19 to help me go back and look at and say, wait a minute, I had given up on that, but God's brought me back and said, you've been a go-back people, now I'm calling you from go-back to become a comeback because I never finished what I had planned. I never finished the promise, the potential, and the purpose that I had declared for you, and it's for you. So I want to ask you, in the face of failure and a pile of rubble, what will you do? What will you do? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I can't survive. I can't survive. I can't survive. I won't ask you to raise your hand. Do you know somebody like that? If you do, go find them today. Anointing well? Pow! Do that. Don't. Don't. Somebody will play this clip and say, Pastor Tom told me to do this. Don't do that. How many are ready to become back people? Come on. Eight of us. Come on, stand up. Let's go. Hallelujah. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bad thing about COVID-19. Oh, it's just giving me infinitely more time. I preached Brenda a thousand sermons to hang out in God's word. You know, so I've given me more time to hang out. And man, oh, my heart's full. My heart's full. I'm going to get back to doing a couple of sunset devotions week by week. You, you want to get a microphone so you can come help me here at the close because I'm sure I'll forget something. And um, the uh, let me say to somebody here Philippians chapter 4 verse uh, 6 says be anxious for nothing but prayer and supplication let your requests be known to God. You know those of us I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. What do I do? He says, no, let your, thank you, there you go. Let your requests be known, be known That's to God. Deep. And the peace of God, everybody say the peace of God. No, say it louder, That's peace deep. of God. Okay, now, two verses later, it says, whatsoever things are this, that, those things which you have learned and seen and heard and received in me, practice them. There's five words there. And he says, and the God of peace, everybody say God of peace. Beloved, here's the good news about that, Nachamiah. I got to You can stay there. I'll be back. Yes, she's not in front of me right now, pointing at the clock. <sighs> the chains are off. Um, listen to me. For the one or two or five that are standing here in front of a pile of rubble that I've drawn your attention to, and you're going, dude, thanks for bringing me back to that. I was trying to sort of forget it. Isn't it wonderful to know that in Philippians chapter 4, look at me. Some of you here have lost rooms, jobs. I, I've, I met with a brother this week who's not a young man. And after 30 plus years in a given industry and field, job went away. And this guy sat across from me. And he wasn't saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. He says, I'm good with this. He says, God's got this. That just made my heart grin. It was a testament. He says, God's got this. And this is no small matter. Here's the good news. God says when you're facing things, that tears your mind in half, that's the word for anxious, that rips your mind in half, he says, I'm going to give you a peace that passes understanding. But here's the promise. Because Paul then writes two verses later. He says, da 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 He says, by the way, that peace of God, he says, the God of peace brings it personally. Somebody hear me today, that the peace of God is one of the few things that God the Father himself promises to hand deliver. He said, I'm not assigning it to an angel. I know I'm getting in social distancing. I got to get closer. He says, I'm not assigning it to an angel. Somebody get this. He says, I'm going to deliver it myself. And here's the good news. 
Wherever the presence of God is, will you sense it? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You ever done that and the presence of God seems to fill the room and all of a sudden there's that peace, peace, wonder. You don't know where it comes from. Why? Because it passes understanding. What? Look, you have a peace that we can't understand coming from a God we can't see. Do you know that's where most of our problems are? I don't understand it and I don't see the answer. God says, good news. I can bring you peace you don't understand and you can't see me. The problems that are out there that we don't understand, that we can't see, are resolved by a force that we can't understand and we don't see. We're caught in the middle and we just go, oh, thank you for that. But you know what often precedes that? Slap, 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 slap. <laughs> Put praise on your lips. You're sitting here today and you're saying, I'm one of those that, yeah, I can't worship. Do not let the adversary steal the praise. Okay, I got to quit. I haven't been with you guys in a long time, so I'm catching up. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Lord, I love my family. I love church. I love gathering. Somebody say amen while I'm praying. I love coming together with the family of God. I love coming together and how a song of praise from the lips of another person silences my own insanity and repeating of of the circumstances around me. I'm not going to make it. I can't get past it. I'm not going to do this. Oh, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, that peace of God comes in, attenuated from a song of of praise of a brother or sister. God, I thank you for the family of God. I thank you we're a comeback people. I thank you for what's beyond this. I thank you for what lies behind. I'm thankful, Father, that a go-back people, their path to the future is in the past. And it's nothing but slavery. But, Father, we've been called to be a people of promise that you would show forth the excellencies, hallelujah, of your presence in our praise through us, shine brightly, and the possibilities of that are never-ending. I pray for my brother at 65 years old that just encouraged my faith as he stands at 65 and he says, I don't know what God has next, but I'm excited about it. (laughs) I'm thankful for that brother. I'm thankful for that testimony. And Father, I'm thankful for every comeback person in this room who refuses to allow the stones and the rubble be the voice that finally informs them about who they are. They're a person of promise. Bless them, keep them, cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious unto them. Lift your countenance upon them and give them peace. We are the blessed of the Lord. Coming in and going out, we ask it in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.